I have just launched my very first online personal branding course for recruiters. With you listening to this podcast, you will know how passionate I am about personal branding and how much of an impact it's had on my career. It's what gave me the courage to start this very podcast. Now, I do not doubt with you listening to this podcast, you will know about the importance of personal branding as a recruiter in today's market. But you might be thinking, how the hell do I start? What do I create content about? And how can it help me make more money as a recruiter? On this online course, I'm going to help you cut through the confusion with personal branding, not only to learn how to start building your brand tomorrow, but to make sure you're equipped with the correct strategy and mindset for long-term personal brand success. Now, if this is important to you and you want to add branding to your skill set as a recruiter, then make sure you go and check out the online course. And yes, this is a podcast ad by me for me. (laughs) You can enroll on the online course by clicking the link in the episode show notes and with you being a recruitment roller coaster listener, of course, you will get a special discount. You can use the discount code podcast to get a discount on the course itself. Hopefully, I'll see some of you on the course. And now let's get into this episode. So, the big question is this How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners? ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top. How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. This podcast is sponsored and supported by my good friends at Hunted. Last year, Hunted helped over 300,000 recruiters all across the world. They're dedicated to improving not just the industry, but your place within it. If you want to be a better recruiter, have more resilience, see greater success in your recruitment career, or simply change jobs or country, then you need to check out hunted.com. I'd love you to check it out and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today I'm uh, in London. I'm joined by Mark Baker, who is one of the co-founders of a recruitment business called Claremont Consulting. Claremont Consulting are an international recruitment business with offices in the UK, Hong Kong, USA, and also have a Europe-wide RPO service. They currently employ 80 people across the different brands. Mark Baker, thank you for joining me. Hi, Hisham. Great to see you. We are, we're making this happen amidst the corona chaos. Not <laughs> yeah. sure exactly when this is going to go out, but we are, we are in the thick of it. We are right in the thick of it. This yeah. could be the last day in the office before we work from home <laughs> for, for a prolonged period of time. We'll see. <laughs> we will see, definitely. So um, 
Mark, as you know, as I was saying, where I always like to start on this podcast is how did Mark Baker enter the world of recruitment, my friend? Well, like everybody else, I think that's probably been on your podcast, mm. I fell into recruitment. Um, yeah. Left school after doing A-levels, didn't go to uni. Uh, got a job in IT. Um, wasn't particularly great at it. IT didn't really interest was it, was me. Was it sales or...? Like no, technical. IT, technical, really? computer operations back in the day. In really? The big old data centres. <laughs> um, but I, I worked hard um, and reasonable money. Um, could do lots of overtime, lots of extra shifts. Yeah. Um, but it was um, quite a hierarchical environment and you weren't recognised for the work you put in. Yeah. Um, passed over for a, a sort of promotion because someone had been there longer than me. Didn't um, like that. Didn't like that at all. Worked harder than he did. Yeah. It's more dedicated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he'd been there longer, so he got the job. And he'd only been there six months longer than me. Really? So I started looking around for another job in IT. This I was in Cam- job was in Cambridge and started looking around, thought I'm going to go to the bright lights of London, more money. Where did you grow up? Um, went to school in a little town just outside Cambridge called St Neots okay. in, uh, near Huntingdon okay and but anyway decided you're going to get a job in London in IT big smoke big smoke big money streets paved with gold etc etc um, spoke to a few um, recruiters uh, got a few jobs got a few offers but once the offers came through thought actually I'm not really cut out for IT I don't enjoy the nuts and bolts of it mm. Um, and one of the recruiters could see that and he said to me, have you ever thought about a career in recruitment? Oh, yeah. And yeah, Tell me more. you can talk, you know, the terminology, mm. you kind of, you're coming across really well, you're good with people, um, give it a go. So he worked for Computer People, I think, in St Albans. Oh, what, did you go in that S3? Um, or was that not S3? No, no, that's not S3. Oh, right. Computer People was one of the, not, one of the bigger original companies. Okay, I was um, thinking of Computer Futures. No, no, Computer People. Yeah. Um, but he was in St Albans, didn't have any jobs in that office. That was the wrong office for me anyway in terms of location. Yeah. Um, so I just, very, very old school, probably showing my age a bit here, Hisham, but um, <laughs> looked at in the evening standard. At oh, my God. The job advert section. And... Um, just happened across, come across a few adverts. Um, what did they say in those adverts? Like, earn loads of cash? Earn, earn really? 100,000 in your first year. Really? Yeah. Printed there, black and white. Bold letters, yeah. <laughs> um, but went for a few interviews, yeah. got a couple of offers, um, joined a really small company, really old school, first day. There's the, you, you've probably never heard of this, but they used to have something called the Computer Users Yearbook. Um, Computer users, yeah, but yeah, listed every company and their various IT managers, program managers, etc. Yeah. etc. Well, had their numbers in there with phone numbers, and, yeah. It was didn't always um, correlate to being the right <laughs> right number for the right person. Um, and there given a it. phone and told, there you go. Happy so days. no training, just straight in the deep end. Call people up, yeah. Ask them right. if they're hiring, um, and then. If you get pull some roles, you put some adverts in either the Evening Standard or some of the trade press. So way before the days of the internet. How, 
So how long have you been in recruitment, Mark? Um, this will be my 31st year. Oh, my God. So started in mental, 1989. Yeah, so you, you was in recruitment before I was born. That is mental. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. So, so as I was saying before, um, what, what we're really going to focus on in this episode is, is your journey and having your own recruitment business, which has been going now for, you said eight, it'll be your 18th. This is our 18th year. 18th yeah. year. So 18th year and having your own recruitment business, like that is some serious longevity there in terms of having your own business. And obviously there's loads of numbers out there on the amount of businesses that fail. So, so we're definitely going to focus on that. So very quickly... So being in recruitment for, um, yeah, 30 um, something years, 18 of those, you had your own business. Like, had you, wh- why did you start your own, rec- why did you start Claremont? Like, and, and sort of had you always wanted your own recruitment business? Yeah, it's a good question. I've always, yes, uh, I was leaning towards, I'm not sure, but yes, mm. I've always wanted my own business. Yeah. Um, the opportunity came up, really. I, I actually left agency recruitment for two or three years to work in-house. Really? For, yeah, for a small uh, French consultancy that set up in London. You went so, internal, so you was internal recruitment? So went, yeah. went internal recruitment for two, two and a half years, yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, didn't really enjoy it, perfectly honest. Really? And it coincided with me being really um, pissed off with it that... Yeah. Um, John, who I used to work for, um, and is one of the co-owners and founders of Claremont, got made redundant. Um, we worked together at a company called Abraxas. Okay. He got made redundant um, and said, fancy setting up on, a, on our own. Should yeah. we do it on our own? So yeah, it's great to have that kind of backup and support of somebody that you've previously worked with um, and obviously can share the journey with as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So let, let's frame it up a bit then. So when did you, what year did you start Claremont? Uh, 2002. 2002. October 2002. October yeah. 2002, okay. So you started it with, sorry, I've just forgot his name. Uh, John. John, okay. Valley. So you and John used to work with each other, just basically just came, both came at a bit of a crossroads, different circumstances, put it together um, in terms of like you as an intern wasn't enjoying it. He just got made redundant. Well, actually, let, why don't we try and see if we can do this ourselves? Yeah, yeah? absolutely. And then just to frame it up, and then you, and then when we didn't start before this, a year later, and your other business partner joined. Uh, a year later, Simon joined us. Simon Mustafa. Um, and how did you know? Simon? Did it was the same uh, sort of relationship? Or? Same. Uh, worked in the same business at Braxis. So okay, cool. Um, You'd all sort of worked with each other. So we worked with each other before. Okay, right. So let let's sort of break this down a bit because eighteen years is a long time. Right. Certainly, so let, let's <laughs> almost as old as you. <laughs> exactly. So let's let's just think about let's just put together the early days of Claremont, right? I think people listening who maybe think about having their own recruitment business long term, whatever the the fear of the early days in their own recruitment business is probably the things that people are most fearful of. How is it going to go? How am I going to make money, etc. Right. So the early days of Claremont, like firstly, did you have because you was out of the game. For a little while so like did you have any sort yeah. of business plan or strategy um no formal business plan mm. um we didn't get investment and um, we used our own savings yeah um and formal strategy if i'm completely honest um no we, we kind of set it up with a almost with a lifestyle business really in in mind um but a 
case of let's see where we can take this. Yeah, so that was just the mentality. It was like, that, right, well, when else could we do this? Yeah. Let's give it a real go, see what happens. Let's, let's give it a go. I, you're right, I've been out for two and a half years, but still kept a lot of good relationships what, 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 going with clients. When you was an internal, was you recruiting the sort of similar markets that you ended similar up going market, into? Yeah, okay, so that similar, yeah. It was all around networking, mm. networking IT. Okay. So um, did you all start recruiting in the markets that you had recruited in then? Um, yes, we did. Um, so I had a couple of clients that uh, I'd kept relationships going um, and immediately I said, I'm going to be setting up on my own. They were like, right, we can have all of our business. Happy days. Uh, which is really good. Yeah. Did, um, they, did they fax this over to you, mate? Or? Did they fax Because <laughs> <laughs> the only yeah, post, not... Posted it, yeah. <laughs> Just because I think I had a lot of conversations recently where new businesses do that but they go through their LinkedIn connections like right how many of my first degree connections are willing to help me and they do like that sort of exercise but you just picked up the phone and said just look picked up the phone to um, old clients yeah um, Fair re- rebuilt quite a lot of the relationships some immediately as I said immediately said you can have all of our yeah. business um, we, okay. we had a couple of clients immediately gave us because um, I'm I'm um, was primarily a perm recruiter. So was it perm or contract yeah. that you picked up? So I was a perm recruiter. John was. Um, we happened upon one client in particular that um, just gave us a load of contract. It gave us a a load of contract roles, but b some uh, handovers as well. Really. So they got us going. They gave us a base to work from. Um, we then started adding to that with perm placements. Mm. Um, and then you won't have probably heard of this, but this was um, not immediately in year one. It's probably after year two or three. Um, the government were revamping the whole of the NHS system, yeah. and we had a couple of clients that uh, consultancies that we're won one bids and were involved in that. So, so they teams to film. So they ramped up massively in terms of numbers. Decent. Yeah. So so did it did it go better than expected then? Like Absolutely. The, yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, no. What, what was the thing? What were what was the thing? What were the things that you were most surprised about? Surprised with, like you starting your own business? Um, for me personally, um, I'd always, always done perm um, and just had that opportunity to do dual desk, do contract as well, yeah. and and I started thinking, I wish I'd done this from the start. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just. Um, it contracts is obviously a lot harder in in terms of um opening doors with clients but if the doors are open then yeah Yeah. you've you've got that um fantastic opportunity to to really make some money yeah um but we've we continued doing both and it it worked out really well because we had that solid base of of runners that you know stabilized us gave us yeah steady flow of income okay add to it repair so when did so you mentioned there that see see where it take us seems like you've got some some great opportunities to with some clients and projects like when when did things change in terms of you guys thinking about well hang on a minute right let's let's take this up a notch or like let's like what we've got a good little business here because like when when did things change in terms of you guys stepping up a bit maybe in terms of people probably towards the end of year two um We'd, we'd won enough pitches or we'd got enough clients coming to us um, from previous um, 
relationships, previous successes we'd had with them, yeah. to think we've, we've got too much on here. Yeah. Um, so we need to, to look at um, bringing people on board that, that can help us grow. And was you all working together in like an office or anything, or was you working at home? Or? Um, year one, uh, we were working at home. Really? Um, so I, I was based then in a small village in 2002 flexible working flexible working in 2000 way before the time mate it it wasn't flexible working as it is now so (laughs) um, you were at our kickoff meeting the beginning um, beginning of January and I I told the story a bit tongue in cheek but when we started the business John and I both worked at home and I had dial-up broadband, which most people listening to this will wonder what the hell is dial-up broadband. <laughs> I definitely remember that. Yeah. So you, it, basically you couldn't be on the phone and the internet at the same time. So you had to disconnect from the internet Sorry. to Mental. ring, to make a phone call. So we, John and I were constantly on the phone to each other all day talking about client wins, guests we're meeting next week, mm. got a great opportunity here. Um, and it became pretty apparently we're going to need to get an office and that was the point when Simon joined us so yeah. about a year a year working at home um, yeah. and then we moved into an office in London okay um, cool so and then so when did you get to the point then where so you said sort of you year two and a bit where it was like hang on a minute we've got a lot of work on it'd probably be a really good idea to start thinking about how we can grow this business get more resources to deliver the stuff that we have Um is that right? That's yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. So then, what went on over the next couple of years? Then, did you start adding people to your business, and what, how how did that all go? Yeah. So we added, we brought a couple of people in that that we knew. Okay. Um, a couple of that's on the sales side. We brought um, an ops manager in um, to to try and put some structure and processes in place. Okay. Um, but by that time, when amount of contractors. Um, that we'd, we'd got up to a lot of it was as it's not now a lot of it then was very manual really? in terms of timesheets and invoicing so that guy we brought in as ops manager was pretty much that was full time job was yeah. timesheet billing and, and sort of, was you doing that beforehand yourself? Um, not me personally I'd, I'd be rubbish at that <laughs> um, John okay. was doing that that was his kind of area not not expertise but he, he had a bit of background in that previously before yeah, yeah. before he started in recruitment so someone in dedicated to that that made sense so that, that made um, perfect sense to us and and then we we hired people but we were hiring on um basis of people we knew um people yeah. we trusted and makes sense early on which is good thing early on but as a limited market you, you get to a point where yeah you run out of people that you know mm. or used to work with what, what did what did you sort of get to in terms of the amount of size, like the amount of size, like um, the amount of people you got to just lean on friends, time, co- old we, colleagues, stuff like that. By that time, we got to it's probably about nine, ten of us in the business. Okay, all right. So where, when, when did you and your business partners then really think about or start thinking about scaling this business? Then, like, so we got you? over the a major hurdle in 2008 yeah what Um, what was that like uh, the recession so there was no for us we didn't scale back but we didn't we wanted uh, before the recession hit we were thinking this is this is going really well um Mm. let's start looking a bit longer term yeah um put a bit more of a strategic approach to it yeah Let's get a business That's like what, six years in, isn't it? That's six, six years in, six yeah. Years in. So it's still very so much So you were getting to that point business. where it's like, right, really backing ourselves, but really now, good. Yeah. 
solid business and then 2008 came along um so we kind of stabilized really we, we stuck around what was that actually what was that actually like then because a lot of people listening probably including myself never experienced a recession no i mean i always say recruitment experiences at both ends so as soon as the recession comes along recruitment's the first to be hit yeah. um everyone stops hiring or in this case it was mostly the banks um for us we didn't have that many relationships with a lot of the big city investment banks so okay. it didn't impact us as much um but we we just stabilized so we we, so we put the growth plans on hold okay um but then the, the flip side is as soon as the market begins to pick up mm. yeah projects are back on and recruitment is is the one area where it starts to see sort of the green shoots appearing again mm. way, way before a lot of other services and other yeah, yeah, sectors of business okay so stabilized at that period and then so as things started to stabilize or as you started things seeing things pick up again your your sort of growth plans then you would think right let's let's crack on with these growth plans yeah so it's probably two years of kind of stabilization okay. um so that took us towards the end and nearly your i first told you years. before we started dates and numbers never it's all right never my so that's, that's nearly your first that's your 2010 first, yeah yeah so, so that's first, nearly your first 10 years yeah eight, eight nearly, nine years eight yeah. nine years in business yeah that makes sense um so what okay cool so look let, let's just talk about the the growth thing because i think that that's what i think would be really interesting for a lot of people because i think um where we are now great office in all east in london like lo- loads of people in there different offices like do you know what i mean to think yeah. where the story that you just shared with us is like how the hell did they get to there do you get what i mean so what what did your growth plans look like then like because after the you stabilize and stuff like that like what how was you what was your mindset towards growing your recruitment business like what did that look like so when we set up um as it explained a lot of the relationships were previous um but but held for a number of years and and i've got a couple of clients who still i don't i'm not on the desk anymore but there's still clients today that that the guys in the team here look after um but it's predominantly uk and when i say predominantly it's 90 percent uk business after we stabilized come out of the out of the recession um in 2008 the our focus changed we still work with uk businesses but our focus moved towards europe why um, why, why did it why um a lot of companies themselves put in the uk put into different processes there was a lot more um maturity around the recruitment market hr were getting were involved a lot more you had less access to okay. direct access to hiring managers um procurement started um, poking their, their noses in yeah, yeah. looking at margins so you just started to realise that it, yeah, it was, it was a realize, bit more difficult a bit more competitive yeah and the market is, is it's very saturated today yeah, yeah, it was quite saturated back then really? so we noticed that we noticed that mm. um, straight away so that that was our kind of focus was to, to push towards Europe um, really? and, and that's really where the growth has come from Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So today... So how long has the... Sorry, go on, yeah. Today we're probably just just over 20% of our businesses in the UK. Really? Yeah. From, from the London office. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. 
So yeah, so that's been a big reason why you've grown. So that's been a, a the, the main one of probably the, the main reason, yeah. And you noticed that quite early. So what sort of year roughly was that? So that that's like, t- 2010, 2011. Yeah, yeah, you noticed that things were getting a bit more difficult, yeah. more competitive. Right, okay, what, what more can we do? Okay, that's really interesting. So um, what I was going to say, so why, so why, so what did, what did you then, so actually no, what I was going to say was, did you have any sort of niche at this point? Like what was your market? Um, I mean, I, probably a regret is we weren't, we've never been niche enough. Yeah. We've, we've always been in IT and tech. That's what, okay. um, it's what we did at Abraxas. Um, it's yeah. what, what all three of us knew. Yeah. Um, but it was quite wide ranging yeah. IT and tech. When I very first started, yeah, I had a niche market. Um, but I, my sort of forte towards um, towards the end of my billing career, if yeah. that makes me sound like I'm being retired, <laughs> pensioned off, um, was dealing with bigger accounts. So, yeah, so can be very much a, a, a more of an account management role, um, looking after big, bigger corporates and, yeah. and working across various different vacancies yeah. and niche markets. What, what challenges did it present to you then, like not being like, because I think in today's market now, if you were to start your recruitment business tomorrow, yeah. start Claremont again, I think having a niche and a focus is probably like paramount. Oh, it's 100% it would have yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, what 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 challenges have you had to deal with then, not being as niche as you'd like to, or that was one of the well, regrets? That's, that's, one of the, um, that's one of the areas we address. So we, we, we were very good on... Um, client management um, yeah. and working within different teams within clients yeah um but as some as the market changed um become very candidate focused yeah um it was it was obvious to us that niche going niche markets was the the way you're going to be successful yeah. so we we split the biz- business into very much a delivery function mm. um which concentrates and focuses on bigger clients no bigger clients oh, with okay. multiple vacancies okay and into what we call a new business team which is is all niche so the guys have got niche markets and um, then, oh okay so the delivery function can be multi-discipline multi-discipline the business yeah. people are just focused they just focus on a niche oh, market how long have you had that that structure that structure has been in place for the last seven eight years really yeah so that's quite early, I think, from the conversation I've had, because I think a lot of people are definitely considering a more a, a model that more looks like that. Yeah, you know, over, the, over the last yeah, like, I mean, with the, the candidate shortage, you've got to you've got to have a, a niche focus. You have to. Yeah. In, yeah. Inch mile wide, no, inch wide, mile deep. Yeah, it's that's the same. That's the one you hear. Yeah. Okay, so you've had that. Okay, that's interesting. So, how did you start making your business? Like, how did you start expanding it to Europe then? Like, what, what, what was the game plan? Was it as simple as pick up the phone to people that we're working with in the UK? Look, we can also serve your Europe offices. Like, what, how did you start making your business not so reliant on UK business? Um, in terms of how we did it, I mean, LinkedIn is, is every recruiter's favorite tool. Yeah. Um, when LinkedIn came along, it just opened up opportunities to to work with clients in Europe because mm. they're easier to to identify okay um so we hired 
we hired a number of people in purely to focus on building businesses, building niche markets and a business in so Europe. In Europe. Um, some with previous experience of, of doing it um, and, and some previous experience of the UK market, but understanding that um, yeah, the opportunities in Europe and the rewards were, were far greater. Yeah. And, and so, was it? So, has it been less competitive? Bit like what's what have been the what have been the advantages of you having more of a widespread business that isn't just predominantly UK? Yeah, you've got obviously Europe markets, things like that. Like how? Yeah, it spreads your risk. Um, uh, yeah, we we massively concerned when Brexit happens, but yeah. we've not really seen any impact. It's okay. been business as usual. So. It, in terms of Europe, it's just accessibility to hiring managers. Um, well, that's better. That's better, a lot better, yeah. Why is that, do you think? Um, there's not as many PSLs. Um, okay. And they're more open to conversations. If you've got what they want in terms decent of candidate, decent yeah. candidates, they'll talk to you. Mm. Um, and HR and procurement, um, less so today than, than seven, eight years ago, but... They they still had less of um, involvement. Uh, involvement and an impact yeah, on, yeah. on the the life cycle of stuff, and being completely honest, the margins are a lot higher. In margins Europe. a lot better as well. So j- just a quick one on that because I think a lot of people will be thinking about expanding their business abroad. Can they do it? What challenges am I going to face? These types of things. Like know, knowing what you know now, if you were to sort of think about opening up opening up. Uh, a mainland Europe desk or part of your business tomorrow like what what's your sort of go-to advice for people that are thinking of expanding their their business to Europe from the things that you've learned um I, I, depends on the niche market but the, the need is there every, globally for for most skill sets mm-hmm. and there's a candidate shortage globally and we we find particularly in Europe for for most skill sets so mm. um is don't don't be afraid. You, you know, people are concerned that they don't speak the language. Yeah. But with the exception of maybe France, um, all the countries we work with, they're happy to speak English. Yeah. Um, they're happy to speak to an English-based company. I mean, we've we've set up um, an entity in Germany um, so that we can provide um, freelance freelancers and, and um, use the AUG license okay. but we've not had to set up in um, other com- other countries to, to officially trade from we've set entities up so that we can run contractors yeah. through them um, that may change with what's happening with Brexit mm. we may need to do that um, the Nordics is a growth area for us mm. so you've spent the morning today with uh, Nordic's yeah, yeah. team on helping him with their personal branding. Yeah, um, they, they, sh- there will probably be a need to set something up in um, Sweden. Yeah, um, pro- um, probably Stockholm at some point in the mm. future. But yeah, don't don't be afraid of the, any language barriers. Um, yeah, yeah, the people are always willing to talk to you. Um, and where do you, uh, where do you see a lot of people go wrong? Where do they go wrong? Um, I mean, I could be really glib and say we've not had anybody go wrong. <laughs> really? But, um, I think sometimes you have to 
ease off a little bit on the, the not be as pushy uh, not be as pushy not be too salesy mm. um, if I've ever had a client from Europe say what they don't like about UK recruiters is that they've probably come across too pushy too sometimes pushy, yeah. um, but the key is, is um, like it is anywhere is get get over there and meet them as well because mm. they appreciate you making that time and effort okay yeah. so to sort of finalise that then if you're thinking of okay right how can I make my recruitment desk recruitment business more future proof and sort of um, yeah as, as you said not <clears throat> make sure that it's not just in the UK and protected against things that can happen Brexit or whatever don't yeah don't don't be too fearful of yeah being a UK business service servicing com- um, companies in the mainland Europe and as you said the things like don't worry about too much about the language like it hasn't been a problem for hasn't, you guys not at all no yeah yeah no. Okay, so so I think we were saying before, but so um, so when did you start? When you when did you stop billing? When I stopped billing, uh, it's probably five years ago. Yeah, and where would properly, you, uh, still properly, yeah. Tried to keep my hand in occasionally. But he, and where, where where was you as a company around that point? Just to help me out, like just to frame it up. So like around that point, where was your headcount wise? What, what was where um, was the business at? By that point, we we're probably around sixteen, seventeen heads. Yeah. Um, I stopped. I wouldn't say I stopped billing. Would yeah, it'd been five, six years ago. But I still, I kept the client relationships going. So I'd still front a lot of the client um, yeah. relationships, and then the actual why, why, why the actual delivery would be done would by be somebody. Up, yeah. yeah. Why did you make the decision to? Because you're around fifteen, sixteen heads. Why did you make the decision to? Yeah, but you still do what you need to do to keep the client relationships, etc. But why did you decide to start thinking about getting off the tools? And um, it was after we split the business into delivery into new business. Okay. Um, it wasn't a case of what we're going to do with him. Where's he going to sit? <laughs> um, it it was just managing the day to day operations of the business. No as, one was doing that as well as billing. Yeah. So yeah. we. We split it between us, but my role was becoming more and more focused on sort of the operational aspects of yeah. running the business, um, trying to recruit yeah. people. And we all know how crap hard that is. Yeah. Uh, crap recruiting companies you, are recruiting. Did you want to do this? Did you want to take that role? I did. Yeah. Um, Why did you want to take that role? Because I trust. I trust in people we were bringing through. Yeah. That they were. To deliver, to deliver, yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't want to be a washed out fifty odd year old recruiter who's <laughs> still chasing candidates and having candidates drop out on the day they're yeah, supposed yeah. to start okay. or not. So how approach. how did you how did you so how did you start transitioning then? Like how did you approach that? Because I think I think at that point, fifteen, sixteen heads, wherever it may be, I think that's business owners really have to start thinking about that. Right, where's this business going? Um, to really get, have to really enable this business to have the best possible chance of growing, being what it can be, then yeah, we can't just share it between us three now. We need someone dedicated to the operations, focusing on um, recruitment, business strategy, things like that. So, how did you how did you sort of fizzle yourself out, and how did you approach that? So we hired um, we had a couple of team leaders to, okay. to so run two the, teams. The layer so there's a layer of management underneath. Um, for me personally, I still had somebody, um, a team that worked 
with me when I say a team it was sort of one and a half people yeah. somebody worked on, on the jobs that you had they work on the jobs that I would be getting through from clients so okay. they were purely delivering on those and how, so it would, took me away from the yeah. kind of candidate element you, but would, still maintain the client side and was you communicating to clients what was going on out of interest? So was yeah, you, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And yeah, some are happy, introduce, gradually introduce people. Because I think that's important, isn't it? Because I yeah. think that's where some people can be worried, can't they? So did you just be really open with these people and say, look, this is where the business is this, going. This, this is, is where we're my, going. Yeah. I'm going to be taking um, more and more of a, a role within the business mm. and less in terms of servicing your 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 needs in terms of sourcing candidates etc we've got a team that i trust to do it i'm going to introduce you to them and you do that gradually yeah, yeah. Um, and they begin to you know, build that same relationship with them mm. so, so and why did you communicate that to them like how did that help how did that help why? Yeah. I, and how? I, so I just didn't want to cut it off and yeah. just say I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Here's, you know, here's Joe Blogs. You're now dealing with them. Yeah. Um, because okay. that, those relationships have gone back you know, many years, and mm. you know, the the foundation of what we built Claremont on was those relationships. Yeah. Sure. You can just cut it off and go. Yeah, yeah. You're not talking to me anymore. Yeah. So you've never scaled a recruitment business before. No. <laughs> how did you, so like how did you go about start operationally, start thinking about right, so this is where we are today. Like how did you start approaching Grand Claremont? Because as I said at the beginning of this podcast, where you are today, offices in, in different countries, eighty heads including the RPO business, like how like yeah, five or six years ago, like how did you approach growing Claremont? What what was what did you end up spending more time on? What did your day look like? Like what? How, how did it evolve? Um, well, I, I, if I had the chance again, yeah, um, yeah, we we've, we've not got it right every time. We've made mistakes. Um, I'd have if I had a chance again, I'd have put a structure structure in terms of um, key personnel in place. Okay. sooner rather than try and do it all ourselves what do you mean by key personnel so so um an operations manager okay an hr manager yeah um we've now got marketing exec so, so mark baker was doing all these I, had all these hats yeah i was beginning. wearing all these hats at the beginning okay um and yeah outsourcing certain parts of it is great we, we still do that we still outsource some of our training yeah. um we outsource part of our marketing yeah. but they work very close with our marketing exec but at the time i'd step back yeah you know, i was wearing five six different really? hats how did you deal with that then because you would never done any of those things done, uh, yeah that was that was the challenge <laughs> um, so and uh, um, yeah sometimes you, you maybe your ego gets because uh, uh, mm. uh, you you, you and you think i can do that that's all right yeah it's, uh, that's difficult. all right we don't need someone to come in and do that it's not too difficult yeah you're just juggling the whole time mm. um so yeah if we, if we did it again I'd, I'd bring people in sooner and we've got all of that in place now mm. um, what, what would be your first what would be your first hire do you think like on the operation side if you were to start building that because I mean, you can't do it all at once can you no absolutely that's not. the thing because no. like, again you've got again you're growing a business so it's like right you need to get to certain points to reinvest in it and these types of things so like what what would you if i look back now what would you hire first um an fd fd yeah is that because you had what a big contract book at that big contract book you you want 
um, somebody who's qualified to be able to give you um, forecasts, cash flow forecasts. Yeah. And you was doing Chase, that. I wasn't doing that. Oh. John was doing that. Okay. And he's not a qualified accountant. He yeah, would admit yeah, yeah. to that. So FD. And so an FD. Would be your second. Um, and then an ops operations manager. Yeah. So the original ops manager we had left um, and we left the role open for too long. Um, okay. So well, otherwise got, in what, because you were just trying to pick things up here and there? Try and, and pick things up here and there, yeah. So an, yeah. an operations manager, um, if and your what, next what, question's going to be who you're after that. No, no, no. Okay. What was <laughs> it, it would be marketing. Yeah, it would be marketing. Okay, <laughs> FD, operations. Just a quick one, I think just to get really practical on here, I love, I don't think there hasn't been loads of people really talking about the operations size of growing a recruitment business. Like an operations manager, what are their core responsibilities that you see? I'm sure it could be loads of different things, but from your perspective over the last five, six years, I'm sure getting better understanding what they should be doing, what's best using their time. What is, what are the core responsibilities or the core things that an operation manager can help a business, like recruitment business wise? Uh, they have to be very flexible um, and they um, if you get to the point of interviewing an operations manager on the on the podcast they'll mm. tell you they do everything yeah um, okay but that that isn't wrong they they get a lot thrown at them okay um, and it, it's different things it's uh, the CRM it's producing sales reports it's um, looking at all the new tech and new systems mm. that we've implemented um, can they integrate do they integrate um, okay. what, what's best for us so to it really use? is a mixture of things yeah okay. yeah and when you run a big contracts book as well you've then got to have beneath that you've got to have someone looking after all the timesheet and billing yeah, um, from, from the finance side well, yeah somebody looking after all the compliance. Okay, so um, operation manager's so, doing a lot of different things. So it's a very, yes, yeah, a really varied job. Really? Yeah. Okay. How, how did you start growing this business then, Mark Baker? So you would, have, you would have sort of recruited your sort of operations dream team a lot earlier, but you didn't. Uh, yeah, would have done that a lot yeah. earlier. So like how, how what, what was the game plan to start growing this business? I think the, one of the most common question I get from business owners is, Hisham, like, how do I get past this 15, 16 head mark? Like, that, that's really difficult, right? It is, and we uh, we were stuck there for a while. How long? Uh, two years, maybe even three years, stuck at that what, around that 15, 15 to 20 head? 15 to 20 head, yeah. How, so how, wh why do you, looking back hindsight now, why do you think you kept bouncing back and forth, do you think? Finding the right people. Um, and again, what we'd do differently is um, we'd, we'd have hired trainees um, talk to a lot of other recruitment business owners um, and that's where they've differed from us they've hired trainees and grown, their, grown their own talent we were you trying were... to hire experienced really? people um, which has degrees of success but also has degrees of failure yeah. as well so what, what were the typical challenges that happened quite quite often when like common challenges that happened um, a lot of it is probably down to our culture um so we are we're a sales organization obviously yeah. we, we we give people kpis and mm. activity targets yeah um but they're not as anywhere near as strict as some of um maybe not so much now but um what you classify as boiler room environments where yeah, sure. there were eight till eight yeah um they've got send 
X amount of CVs out yeah. to hit their targets. Yeah. Um, so we've hired we hired people from there, and we we'd never been. You have to work eight till eight. We've never so you given them you gave them a lot of autonomy. We'd rather yeah we give people a lot of autonomy, and some people can deal with you know, that. Deal with it. They can grasp it and they can grow okay. with it. Others, it's a it's an opportunity thing. I think you hear a lot that experienced hires can sometimes come with like bad habits or bad they habits. don't know they yeah. play. Is that true? It is. Yeah, they come with bad habits. Um, certainly couldn't tell you a number of times I've heard people say well we never used to do it like this at my old company why don't you do this and so no we've got our processes mm. now um, okay. so it's, it's trying to embed people into those so how so, so we have taken trainees but the, the drive within the business now is, um, is, is we're going to be hiring trainees yeah. um, for sure so how just just a quick one on that people thinking about like how have you got better at hiring experienced hires would you say like what some of the things that you um, now do to some give yourself the best possible chance of that being a more just, successful just, hire um, I think it's just the experience of how many people you've met um, and how, how you can gauge it's difficult in an interview because you, you never know until yeah. they sit behind the desk yeah. even to this day but, but now you, you can drill down with people you can talk about numbers with them we, mm. we don't ask for pay slips or anything that's a what so you're you that's dig, a bit dig, old school for dig a bit dig more deeper into their deeper. billings before yeah, you ask you, dig, you ask them about billings you ask them how many deals they've made you ask them what their average margin is yeah. um even to the point where we're talking europe about you know what which, which umbrella companies do you have you used yeah, for your contract like really specific um and if they can't answer the simple questions you, you've got to think actually have you mm. you've done what you said you've done on your cv yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's got easier over time, but we still make the odd mistake. It's still hard, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the approach on so you stayed around that sort of um, headcount um, for a couple of years. Looking back, definitely would have gone down more the trainee route. Definitely would have gone trainee route. Grow your own. Yeah, there's going to be um, there's going to be a percentage that, that don't make it. Mm. We've had success with some trainees um, we use the apprentice scheme and that's okay. been that's been really good for a couple of the guys here mm. um, but yeah if, if I could what, turn what the clock back I'd have gone the trainee one. side what is the apprentice like is that easy to set up as a recruitment business or get involved with and yeah we've we've used a couple of providers um, okay. and, and it works really well because they they still off site they're still learning they still have to provide um, sort of updates to their tutor on how they're okay. getting on. The apprentice companies come and visit, um, yeah. check how everything's going. Um, but the, the two that we've had real success with, we've took them on one year apprenticeships, but we've um, on both of them we've converted them to perm before the one year's up. Awesome. Which yeah, that's great good. for them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so, so would you say the core reason that the sort of bouncing back in terms of headcount and stuff was just the hiring element? basically the, the, the people that not getting the right people through not get yeah partly not getting the right people and partly you know we're in london and it's a mm. competitive market mm. um and people we've lost people to um, other, other, businesses, other yeah. businesses we've lost people who've gone internal mm. um so it, it always seems to be a case 
two steps forward, yeah. one back. And then sometimes yeah. it was one step forward, two back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we just kind of plateaued a bit in terms of so how, growth. How did you get over that then, mate? Um, we, I think we just eventually got the hiring process right. Talk to us, mate. What did that look like? Come on. Just, just in terms of how we interview people. Um, what was it, it before and what is, what is it now then? It was too many people involved. Okay, too many people. Um, so we scaled it back to just a couple of us um, could make the key decisions. How many were we talking? How many people do they see typically? Um, four to five. And before time. it was more than that? I oh, know it's four to five initially. We scaled oh, it back okay. now to okay. um, they only need to see two of us. Okay. Um, so that that's streamlined the process, but it also made it, uh, it it made it better process for us and that less people involved. You try getting four or five people's diaries to mm. to um, be in the, all in the right place at the right time. It's, it's hard work. So I can imagine also when you when there are more people involved, there's pros and cons obviously, but there's three more other people to say that they're good or not good. Exactly, like it's, yeah. it's subjective, isn't it? it yeah, can be hard if you're not all aligned in exactly what you're looking for and you may see different things. So, so the hiring process... Hiring got, process, yeah. the onboarding process, we improved. And what, what, let's talk about that then, onboarding process. What was that before and what is it now? So before it was um, almost back to my first day in recruitment. What, get on the there, phone? There's a desk, there's a phone. Yeah. Um, we'll introduce you to everybody. We'll take you out for lunch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, crack on. Find, mm. find some clients in your niche. <laughs> um, we okay. give you all the tools um, but now it's a lot more there's more structure towards so it how have you, how have you changed it uh, we've just said so we just put a bit more structure to it um, okay. and invested a bit more time in the first month we've put in place different training programs um, it just just improved it generally to it, it could still Need it be still improved, could yeah. be improved. What, what, what would you say is your on like what's the timeline of you on like what's the timeline of so if I'm a recruiter and I join your business, how long is the onboarding process? Would you say is it like over a 90 day period and I do certain things over 90 days or is um, it just the first month? Like how probably, it's probably just the first month, I'd say. Yeah, okay. there, there are elements which go yeah, over that after that, yeah, yeah but, but the core it, of it, the core of it, you've really focused on getting month, better, yeah. And so is it predominantly then, instead of saying, look, Mark, really excited to have you on, here are the guys, blah, 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 crack on, anyone if you need help with, talk to us. It's now that they get what specific training and yeah, things exactly. like that. Yeah, And training on um, anything in particular? Or? Um, well, we just started working, we, we used um, uh, Hannah Keep, yeah. you might know from yeah, IOR, yeah. Um, and we just started working, we've done some ad hoc training courses which have been brilliant with mm. Trevor Pinder okay cool um, and we just started working with Rhonda who's okay, cool. d- doing your roller coaster yeah, event yeah. next week yeah, yeah, um, yeah and she's really good her, her her drivers around motivation and mindset yeah. as you know okay and um, that's is this important early on then that's it, it's important to make sure we've got that right attitudes yeah, yeah. right okay mindset resilience all yeah, the yeah, yeah. all the things you want somebody to have Okay. Um, and making sure that within that, that first month mm. that so, they've got a framework to work towards. So interview process, onboarding process, anything else that you think that really that sort of you've really worked hard on or has had an impact on you being able to grow this business more effectively? Yeah. Well, we um, we pride ourselves on 
been we we think now to attract people um and we're doing that via referrals that okay. that's working really well so decent so, referral schemes so good referral scheme um so what's your as you normally it's like what 500 quid 1000 quid um for a referral it's 2k so 2k 2k so pretty decent they get first part after three months and second part after half of it oh, after okay, three nice. months half of the remaining yeah, half smart. after they complete probation does that actually work and it works yeah, yeah okay fair enough so uh, you, you see that everywhere don't you a lot of people might think nah it doesn't work like yeah but yeah two grand is pretty hefty decent it's good yeah and and it, it does incentivize people yeah um okay and it, it's worked we've i'd say last year uh probably 60 70 percent of our hires were via referrals really that's not just on sales either that's through um back oh. office operations stuff that's as well. interesting yeah 60 70 percent yeah we're still using rec to rex yeah um and but as i say the focus is 70 yeah focus is going to be on trainees and yeah. if it's going to be an experienced hire it's, it's more than likely going to be mm. for a referral when and um so do you think that investing in all of this sort of stuff earlier rather than later would have helped you scale past that quicker like because i think 100 percent it would yeah, yeah. and so, would, would you would your advice be i'm assuming long term you may may or may not want to make it internal your training your these types of things but like your experience because it seems like you've done quite, done gone quite a lot besides your sort of operational dream team the other things yeah. being like external so like would your advice be look like yeah external has worked for you like but yeah you say that's important it's it's really important that's external advice as well we were very um i'd say very insular as a as a management really um and uh so yeah insular and kind of we didn't have that mindset of um promoting ourselves massively in mm. terms of marketing and mm. PR, and you know, you look at I've looked at other businesses that, that I know people that run them, and mm. yeah, they've they've gone past us in terms of growth in the past. Yeah. You think yeah, they've, they've got it right. Yeah, um, they've got it right because they've put some of these um, this structure and framework in place sooner rather than later. Early doors, yeah. Because I think that can be the difficult part when you're a smaller business, though. When you're like twelve heads, fifteen heads, you're like. <sighs> Do I, like should I yeah like when should I be making that investment or should yeah. I be making that investment should, when or should and and can I and uh, ultimately it was a lot of it's down to time you know the, yeah. the three of us um, Simon and I in particular were still billing still yeah um, talking to clients all day long yeah um, still running effectively running a desk mm. so it's it's taking that step back to then focus more on right yeah. we're going to grow the company now Mm. so what did you what did you um uh, just a quick one actually like how how did it did it jump quite significantly in terms of like headcounts so like because like did did you yeah did you end up taking a lot of people at once or like how no was, it's been steady it's been steady pretty steady growth. is that being purposeful per, that yeah um I'd, definitely that was a kind of yeah, we did that on purpose that was um that's that's not going mad let's yeah, yeah. take it one at a t- one, two heads at a time. time yeah. Um, get them yeah. through, get them on boarded, get them billing, and then let's look at doing yeah. it again. So quick rather one, than five, six yeah, in yeah. one go. So quick one on that. I'm sure this is what you've become a lot better at. Couldn't see obviously you got um, Cube 19 and certain things that maybe I don't know how long you've had those things for, but 
hiring triggers, what do they look like for you? Because that's what you, I'm sure you've had to get better at. So as you just said there, right, let's take one or two people on, yeah. get them on board with billing. And then when they get to sort of benchmark, let's think about getting one or two more people in. So like what, what, what have been the sort of hiring triggers that you sort of identified or looked at to help you scale? Um, within certain teams, it's, it's got to be certain revenue levels achieved so that yeah, the, the team is still profitable and you can't bring in an extra head or two or three mm. that's going to you know you're going to be waiting for two or three months before they're actually billing and yeah. contributing um, what do so, these numbers look like they make give it to me what's the, the what are these typical sort of benchmark i know it can differ your, but like yeah. roughly what we're talking numbers wise for you to be quite confident that you can get someone else in that team without other things being at the detriment i mean uh, i guess the utopia is you want this is Home, I guess, but yeah, you want well, someone looking at, at ten to twelve k a month, yeah, on a regular basis. How like what are we talking like the last three months, last six months? Um, quarter by quarter, we we measure everything in quarters. So yeah, it, yeah people we know, we know there's ups and downs. Yeah, it's the roller coaster, of course. Um, so people have good months, bad months, but you want want to see a sort of consistent level of billing over mm. quarter by quarter. If you can. So if you bring in one or two people, onboarded, billing, you're looking at what, first quarter, second quarter, what are they averaging? If they're averaging around the 10, 12K mark, right, let's look at getting another head we in there. We can add a, another head into that yeah. team, yeah. Okay. Or you've got someone who's, who's come in and um, really built uh, their, their niche, they built their desk up. Mm. Do, do they then, do you look at it and think, yeah, if they had somebody coming as a trainee or resourcer to support them then we'll get more out of them yeah okay and how long have you how long have you typically given people would you say like what's your i know everyone's different but what's your typical barometer of like right i've given this person like enough like do do you know what i mean you've got a sort of month or timeline in your head where it's like it's too long an answer i can give (laughs) no no um yeah you want people billing within the certainly within their third month mm. um there, there are exceptional circumstances um but yeah you you can't let it go too long with people not billing consistently mm. have you um, do you think you've have you let that go on too long in the past yeah we've been i imagine most people who own a recruitment business listening will, will yeah. say yeah i'm guilty of that and and i'm exactly the same yeah we've been guilty of that mm. and it's, it's difficult um when you're at that kind of 10 between 10 and 15 you're you, yeah. you're a close-knit team you got to draw that line is, yeah, is, yeah. is it somebody your mate or yeah. do they work for you and there's a blurred line sometimes. Yeah, and that, but that, um, I think that's part of you going through that transition of being yeah, a bigger business, isn't it? Or wanting yeah. to be, like go to where you are, you're going to have to make more of those decisions. Yeah, and they're not necessarily a mate, as in yeah, yeah no, mate, I get what you mate, mean. But, but they're, they're a work mean. colleague, and you've built yeah. a relationship. I've with them, that, and you that, think, yeah, you'll turn it. They're around. the size of companies I've worked in. So, like, if I worked in your business at that size at that period, like you're really accessible, and I like speech every day. I, do, do you know what I mean? And I know you sit on the floor now, but I think at that sort of yeah stage it's not so much a mate but like you're so accessible like we can build a sort of quite deep relationship quite quickly yeah do you get what i mean and that's it's a kind of culture we've created as well where 
like you said, I sit on the um, sales floor now, accessible to everyone, mm. perhaps too accessible sometimes. And yeah. Yeah, they rely on you a little bit too much. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just that the difficulty then comes when someone's not not performing. Mm. Um, and yeah, we've had instances where it's not performing and, and it's the attitude as well. Mm. They've got maybe too comfortable. Mm. Yeah, it's fine. We go for a beer after work. Um, yeah, mm. we we have a chat about football yeah. over a coffee in the office, and they get too comfortable. Too comfortable, yeah, yeah. And that's that that's hard, when hard, it's a hard decision to make. Because yeah. yeah, what have you had to get better at being a bit more firmer and letting people go for the right of the business? But for for the good of the business, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that's been difficult. And that has been difficult, yeah. Are you, have you, and is that you? I that's still sleep at night. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but is that that's been you that's predominantly done that? Yeah. Or had to do um, yeah, me and um, you've met our sales director. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're we're kind of driving the the, the sales floor here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult. But the, the, then the, the flip side to that is you, you think you know have I done the right thing? Yeah. What impact is that going to have? And um, Everybody else those. in the business, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you hear afterwards, oh, you should have done that six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. yeah, people people aren't stupid. They know who's performing, who's not, who's mm. who's up up for it, and who's um, just coasting along. Um, yeah, but it's it's down to you to recognise that. How how have you? Let's just talk a bit about how you've made this an international business. I think obviously really early on thinking about expanding your business in Europe and, and these types of things. But I think this sort of ties into like how you've gone about building sort of your Claremont culture. But how how have you, I think a lot of businesses and like you speak to probably business owners a bit more than me, but like how, how have you gone about growing your business internationally? Like how, have, obviously you've got offices in Hong Kong, America. America, yeah. yeah. And we've run the RPO um, in across the Europe. country as well. So like yeah. how, how have you like just learnings on that like how have you executed that and got so better at that it's 50-50 split Hong Kong was uh, we took a opportunity it was a sort of opportune moment the right person right well, time. we thought the right person came along at the right time mm. um, and he wanted to to set up in um, Hong Kong mm. uh, well Asia Pacific um, but initially it was going to be Singapore um, but we took some advice in terms of boring stuff, but tax treaties, etc. Okay. Hong Kong was a preferred location. Okay. Um, and that that's suffered a little bit in terms of the growth. We've we've again got you kind of it's smaller numbers, but you hit yeah. sort of four or five, and um, it's, it's difficult to get, difficult to get past it. But you had one person that you put your trust in gave an opportunity to and then you've built the business built, around there. built around there yeah um eventually he went in-house um and, and took a role with a client which left us a yeah when you're thousands of miles away it leaves yeah, you a little bit fun. in the lurch but we we hired somebody else um and then last year we've actually put two new guys in charge and that's it's working really well in hong kong awesome. so they're up to uh they're up to six now but we've got a couple of new hires in the pipeline mm. um so that's growing and given what's been going on in the world <laughs> coronavirus and protests in hong kong they've, they've done really well yeah and then and then and then from those learnings then how did you go because how recent has america been so hong, hong kong was 
we took an opportunity. Uh, Hong Kong, uh, US, sorry, was a much more strategic decision. Um, so we've had the office in Atlanta for uh, well, Jan last year, so just over 12 months. Why do you why Atlanta? Um, we found the right person to um, hire and build the business there. I know we're based in Atlanta. Um, yeah, it is a tech hub. There's a lot, yeah. lot of um, businesses there, a lot of tech businesses there. Um, it's one of the faster, faster growing regions. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely a strategic decision, and that uh, yeah, we didn't want to get left behind. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of companies um, have expanded into the US now. A lot of them are doing it from the UK. So first, yeah. First, we kind of bucked that trend slightly and yeah. um, hired people on Who the ground. In, in America, yeah. yeah. That was going to be my next question. Like, why, why haven't you or have you taken people in the UK that you've obviously worked for, you trust, like, we t- to we, take over? We, we tried it. Um, we've got a guy still here who's working US hours. Okay. Um, we tried it with a couple of others. Um but it didn't didn't really succeed. What, what were the, cha- what were the challenges? Just um, just trying to get hold of the clients, trying to get build relationships with clients. Yeah. Um, yes, it can be done over phone, we done over um, video, but being on the ground, we we found worked a lot better more for effective. us. Yeah, a lot more yeah. effective. And if we could have done it from here and it'd been successful, I'd more than willingly have done it and then, yeah. then moved people out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And how, again, it's sort of quite operational. Like, how, how, how have you got better at communicating to all these different parts of the Claremont business now? Like, like how, yeah, how do you effectively communicate the same mission, the same objectives, maybe slightly different, obviously, per region and place? But how, Yeah, the how, lo- there's local differences in terms of culture. Um, How do you communicate to but everyone? We communicate via we have weekly calls with them. So weekly calls. Weekly calls with all all parts of the business. Video okay. calls. Um, we have the annual kickoff um, yeah. meeting where we bring people in from from the different locations. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to replicate what we do here with all the incentives, so summer party. Okay. Um, birthday day off but just like localised and just them. try and make it localised yeah. yeah so you know everyone gets a birthday cake from me in the London office we're pushing that out for yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was calling the caterpillar cake spare if you want some after this because <laughs> um, like four, yeah. four birthdays last week because how, how, how yeah because like how have you tried to make it make sure that the people in America people in Hong Kong are also part of what clearly is the main hub here in the UK and like, how, like do, do you know what I mean how have you yeah. tried to so we've, we've done it that way with trying to replicate yeah, that what, makes we, sense. what we do um, we try and push the message to the to, to, to the management teams of what we're doing here yeah. and try and get that kind of information come back from them as well okay. but push what um, yeah the expectations are mm. um, how how and, and get a message out on a regular basis so mm. yeah, I've, um, I'm behind but I, I'm, I like to get a monthly message out to everybody just across so yeah, all the like brands monthly updates let everyone monthly know update, everyone's doing, yeah. yeah this is what's happened um, share okay. some successes Okay. Um, maybe a bit light-hearted. I don't tell any of my jokes because no one laughs. But um, <laughs> just just to make sure the communications there. Yeah. So that's that's key. That's yeah. We find that's key. Mm. Um, 
we use Odd Drive as a video platform, okay. so that that helps yeah. um, in terms of communicating to the guys as well. Yeah, and they're all on Cube um, as well, so they can see what's going on in all the different offices. There's a lot of visibility. So there's a lot of visibility in what's happening, yeah, yeah. and a lot of um, we used to be. I'm sorry, we were bad. We we're probably average at the communications bit. We've got really? got a lot, lot better at that. And and that's had an impact. And that's had a, a really good impact. Yeah. How how so? Just people um, understanding um, what's going on in the different brands, different offices, yeah. who's who. So mm. you know, people join, we're part of the onboarding. We're getting to you know, fill out some welcome questions. Yeah. You know, just the standard. Yeah. Um, stuff about your know, favourite films. Yeah, okay. um, if you could look into the future, blah blah. blah what would yeah, you do? Yeah. But it gives everyone the chance to get to know someone, even though they might be thousands of miles away. Yeah, they know they're part of the Claremont team, and yeah. they've got a little bit of an insight. And then obviously, if they meet them at one of our events or meetings, yeah. they kind of then know them helps. already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Okay, mate. Before we finish, then just just a few a couple of things. Um, so maybe more specifically over the last couple of years, I know it's been a sort of gradual growth, um, gradually scaling this business, but like what what have been the sort of biggest challenges for you as a more operational business owner over the last couple of years, would you say? What have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had to sort of overcome? So we've spoken a lot about hiring and I'm sure that's always a constant sort of thing that you're trying to get better at and these types of things. Yeah. But anything else that we can talk about that we think a lot of people probably be going through like what are the other sort of challenges for you that you've had to really deal with or um well despite me saying we only do about 20 percent business in the uk it's still all the new legislation that keeps coming out like gdpr ir35 yeah um brexit hasn't had that much as i said much of an impact at all yeah. but we, we still don't really know what's around the corner yeah um we, we've not had any clients in europe um apart from one in germany so that they they don't want to work with uk companies UK anymore companies, yeah. um so there's, there's always those types of challenges okay. yeah those issues um it's a difficult one to put your finger on on specific ones but um, I think yeah, the hiring still still difficult one to get the right people. Yeah, um, that's where the training, yeah. um, which you're investing in, in which we're investing, in, it's yeah. key. Um, it's and the, the attraction. I mean, we we pay a, a really good commission scheme. We yeah. do lots of stuff with incentives. Yeah, um, we do lots around rewards and, and the sort of health and well-being um yeah, so you, yeah we've got really, you, you in training the guys on personal brands yeah, so you're really really investing a lot in your people so and investing a lot, up what yeah. you can offer for employees yeah um okay. so I don't say that's a challenge but it, it's um in terms of workload it's it's making sure you you're mm. above you're in front of everybody else and you yeah you're offering people um you know the opportunity mm. um you're offering people different things that maybe other companies aren't and so yeah, it's trying yeah. to keep ahead of the curve being a bit innovative about it yeah um okay and, and making sure you attract the right people in yeah yeah okay um and then just to sort of on on the flip side then like uh, i know obviously it's been a, a long journey but like sort of knowing what you know now last couple of years 
I know you said that you would have invested in the sort of operational dream team earlier, but like anything. They'll love that title. But anything else that, again, I think from someone that's been sort of on the journey that you have for a long time, like anything that sort of you've had to learn the hard way that you wish you knew a bit earlier on, besides the sort of really investing in the, the operational sides a bit earlier rather than you trying to do everything, like anything else that you think could have helped you on this journey? And um, I'd, I'd have scaled quicker. You would have, if yeah. Um, and I, I think where where we were probably guilty was just the billings that Simon and I, in particular, um, were bringing into the business. We probably put too much emphasis on it, thinking if we take that away, that's going to have a that's just, could be a big impact, could be a big hole in the billings. Oh, I got him in. So we were a little bit risk averse there. Yeah. Um, so we we should have come off the desk earlier. Earlier, okay, um, that makes sense. And that would have given us a chance to scale quicker. That's really interesting. Um, I'd have gone external for advice earlier. Uh, earlier. So we we are part of a group. We're part of the RDLC. We've yeah. been for four years now. How's um, that helped you? Oh, massively. Um, just just being able to bounce off of other recruitment owners business owners ceos what, what was you worried about before you went external like out do you know you said you was quite insular but what was you worried about um i think it's, it's a historical thing i've always i've always looked for advice yeah um and I, i've even i've asked clients for advice on, yeah, on, on certain right. things yeah yeah. yeah yeah um yeah when you got an hr manager as your point of contacting a client sometimes pick a brains for a bit of free advice what should yeah. i do about this person they've done xyz yeah. um historically and again it's probably showing my age slightly um but you know recruitment companies would never share advice mm. back in the sort of, i say back in the day but in the, mm. in the 90s you, know, you very rarely um, unless you're in a pub after work, would you come across another oh, recruitment yeah. companies? You then invariably end up. So you were yeah, worried about sharing. Sharing, yeah, sharing. I wasn't that keen. On, sharing yeah. information, sharing advice. If you did go to briefings, um, clients would organise a briefing. Yeah, people would barely, they wouldn't speak to you. Um, some cases, when I poached a couple of staff of mm. one, they just spent the whole meeting glaring at me <laughs> and he was about six foot six rugby player so I made, I made sure I go out of the building pretty quick before he got hold of me so, so you, um, you were just so, but it's changed times have changed yeah. um, people are a lot more um, collaborative now a lot more um, cooperative and, and, and so, happy so to share advice it hasn't put you at a disadvantage sharing absolutely not no it's put a massive advantage because mm. we've and you know I'm, I'm more than happy to admit well I've put ideas and processes in place here that have come, that from, have come from other people yeah yeah and probably same may apply vice versa they may have done the same but you, you didn't have that um you didn't have that vehicle before where people would willingly yeah. share advice so just don't make the assumption that you because I'm, I'm sure you probably didn't share as much as well if you get what i mean so like initially you might have been a bit as you said a bit anxious about going to a room full of recruitment business owners and sharing your secrets or whatever but I'm sure you didn't all, like you wasn't there under a spotlight going this is how we grow our uh, no, European exactly. business yeah, like, you, do you know what I mean you don't of, also share it like 
you wouldn't you wouldn't share as much if you didn't think you was getting much in no, so return we, as well. Do you get what I mean? We wouldn't shared anything at all before. Um, happy to admit that. Yeah, yeah. But now, yeah, I'm more than happy when we go yeah, to lunch. Has, as you said, it hasn't left you at a disadvantage or made not, you feel like a no, not at all. Yeah, no. and so, there are people who you know directly compete with, and mm. yeah, you know, working with one client that somebody in the, in the network group works with them as well. Mm. But you you just yeah you accept that there's enough mm. business out there and, for, for and, everybody and do you think um just a final thing like do you think that you getting external help speak to people has helped you sort of remain current or had an impact on you you're saying i'm old <laughs> um, <laughs> but like you've, you've been no, there, it, it has massively because yeah. um yeah there are various um there's various new bits of tech all the time yeah. um, and you wouldn't necessarily get to know about them straight yeah. away you certainly wouldn't be able to get um, sort of int- introduced to them um, or even some you know pref- preferential rates or stuff like that so mm. um, yeah it's definitely helped remain current um, mm. and I think it's, it's overall it's, it's massively helped the business yeah mm. okay so before I ask you the um, final question and what you're excited about, like how you've been in the recruitment industry for uh, all different parts of like how a long well, time, a long time, <laughs> yeah. So like how 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 do you see the next sort of five years to decade planning out, and what what what's what are you thinking about? Because you yeah, for, you've for seen us, a lot of different things. Just you, yeah, what, yeah. What do you see generally? Just um, both. For us um, here, definitely. Uh, will continue growth in in Europe, yeah. but um, certainly exponential growth in the US. Yeah. Um, it's a huge market. Yeah, um, yeah. Everybody's looking at it now, um, and but it's, it's it's a massive market. It's big enough for. for I, I don't know the numbers, but it's yeah. the, the the ratio. Loads of space. Yeah, the ratio of recruitment companies to, to population, to, to population yeah. and business is um, definitely not what it is in the UK. Hugely different to yeah. what it is here. Yeah. 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 Okay. And and just as like the recruitment industry and, and like what are you thinking about what what are you thinking about over the next couple of years? What what's going through your head when you're thinking about the industry that has obviously given you a lot in your life it's, and what you've been involved it's cha- in? It's changed massively and it's gone from it's not recruitment um, effectively now. It's gone from being a um, you know, I'll give you some vacancies, find me some candidates. It's, uh, you've got to evolve. You've got to be, you said a minute ago, you've got to be more current. You've got yeah. to be very consultative. Mm. Um, look at uh, productization. So mm. wrapping up bundles of um, different offerings and services. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we've done that on quite a big scale with... Um, Sort of setting the business up with, a, with an RPO service line, um, staffing, which uh, that's, a, that's a comment from a, now having a US business. We're, we're not recruitment, we're staffing, um, and and executive search. So um, you've you've got to be able to have different offerings to clients. Mm. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be able to consult with them um, and, and give them different service lines mm-hmm. it's not a Sober bums on seats just yeah i've got a vacancy can you find me yeah three candidates i'll interview <laughs> them next week it's got it's got you've got to evolve and it's yeah. you've got to be 
agile you've got to be very flexible in terms of what you offer people yeah i like it so final question you can answer this with a, a phrase a sentence a word whatever comes to mind but if uh if mark baker could communicate to all of the recruiters out there they'd listen they'd take on your advice they'd implement it tomorrow what would you say to the people mark what would you say um there's one phrase always stuck in my mind is um hard work beats talent that doesn't work so it's a tough job Mm. i think pretty much everyone you have on on the podcast will tell you it's i think it's one of the toughest jobs around yeah um so you've got to be thick skin you've got to be resilient but ultimately you've got to work hard put in the work you've got to put the the effort in um yeah and that's that's not 18 hour days that's not you know it's not being chained to your desk um, all day and all evening but it's, it's the way you work it's smart work it's what you do when you're in the office it's yeah. how you interact with mm. clients candidates yeah. even colleagues um, so yeah it's always been you work hard and, and you'll get the results and, and I think that's why that's why I got into recruitment mm. um, fell into recruitment as I said earlier and mm. I, I, I would hazard a guess that's why the vast majority of people did mm. Don't underestimate how much hard work can help you. Absolutely. Mark's been a pleasure. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, Hisham. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazuz and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.